Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Today is the first week of Advent. Um, it's the beginning of Advent season, and so we'll be lighting a candle each week, and today is the, the candle of hope. Can anybody check this? Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Are you ready? The people walked in darkness, have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, have a, a light of has dawn. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on. And forever the zeal of Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I accomplish this. The readings from Isaiah 9, 2, and verses 2 and 6 and 7. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and release the kids now for the nursery. So zero to two is with Zena. Um, Zena is right over here. Uh, they'll go back to the nursery there. And then uh, Sunday school over on the other side um, is with Eunice and Amber. So two, uh, three to seven with Eunice and Amber. Zero to two with Zena. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you, Schroeders. Thank you, Acadia. I'm going to turn myself down here a little bit. Is that a little better? Because I know once I get into this, I'm going to start talking louder. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I love it when little kids read scripture. And I was trying to think when Katie was reading scripture, I'm like, why do I like it when kids read scripture? And I think it's because it's like unfiltered, right? There isn't like a lens that's built up over time with, you know, different biases and different, um, you know, influences. There's, there's, there's just this raw holiness to kiddos reading scripture and so uh thank you i think katie is back there sunday school already but boy that was that was awesome i'm pretty sure katie is five or six six and she can read better than i can so that was awesome well welcome to the first sunday uh of the advent today is the sunday of hope and um i'll be honest with you when i first started here uh, kind of pastoring the local church seven years ago. So this local church, you know, birthed out of a outdoor experiential worship service up at the mountain 
one of the things that I wasn't really looking forward to was the repetitiveness of tradition. See, I was born on Saturday and in church on Sunday. My dad's the pastor. My mom's the organ player, right? So I had been drugged to church my whole life. And I am, you know, not that traditional of a kid. I like, I like spontaneity. I like out-of-the-box kind of stuff. I'm super social. So anyway, um, I was kind of not looking forward to the repetitive nature of traditions in the church. Boy, I couldn't have been more immature and more wrong. Now I've grown here. You know, we've been doing this now for seven years as a church, consistently meeting on Sunday morning year round. And I have come to really, really find a deep, uh, you know, richness, a deep love for the traditions. Now, just like anything else, we have to be careful because then your pendulum can swing to where you place your hope. See what I did there? Hope in things like traditions. But when you place your hope in traditions, it's no different than placing your hope in this like outside the box freedom either. So those that are like, eh, church isn't for me, it's too repetitive, it's not really whatever, they've got their hope in something. And those that are like, I do not miss a Sunday. I am like the church goer. They have their hope in something. And so today we're going to look at hope. And, and so this is the tradition of Advent. And uh, I've always thought, well, geez, this is my seventh Advent. How am I going to keep preaching a, a, you know, a sermon on hope? And I was talking to Emily about this earlier today when we were hanging out. She said, oh, I remember your sermon on hope. I'm like, oh, boy, I hope I don't repeat my sermon on hope. You know? Um, but hope is um, hope is a pretty big buzzword. Obviously, when President uh, Obama uh, ran, he, he ran out of the slogan of hope. And so that was a big you know, buzzword in the, in the country at that time. Um, and then obviously through our time in the pandemic, uh, there's been a lot of hope in certain things, whether it's the vaccination or not the vaccination, or it's hope in, you know, it will go away or hope in, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, there's just diff been different hope that we place in. And I got to thinking about hope and the word hope and like, what is it and what it is, whatever. And so some of my research on the word hope came, came to this is that essentially, um, there's kind of like this two forms of hope, right? So there's like a hope that's based on factual evidence. And then there's a hope that is in belief. Okay. And kind of a, an analogy that works a little bit, but not so great. We live in New Hampshire. I personally hope it snows. Now, because we live in New Hampshire, the odds of it snowing between now and March 31st, pretty high, right? We live in New Hampshire. But if I was living in southern Florida, say Miami, and I was like, oh, I just really hope it snows this winter. Well, that's a pretty big hope. Now, has it snowed in Miami before? I bet it has. Somewhere along sometime, I'm sure it has snowed in Miami. So that hope could still be, you know, threaded to this little tiny piece of evidence from 1974, you know, when that old guy in Miami was like, I was here in 1974 and it, it snowed. I didn't know anybody from Maine lived in Miami, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, do you hear those stories, right? You know, the, you know, in Maine, it's the ice storm in 98, you know, where were you during the ice storm in 98, you know, and, um, 
And, you know, it's the blizzard. You know, when I married Heidi, it was like, I forget which Halloween when she was a kid, but there in Duluth, Minnesota, that Halloween where they got two feet of snow for Halloween. Like, oh, remember Halloween in 87? You know, we went on the snowmobile to get candy. Um, but I don't know where I was going with all that, but I just like talking about snowstorms. Um, so hope is in direct correlation with belief. So I believe it will snow here this winter. So my hope that it will snow is actually pretty strong because it has done it before and strengthened my belief. Now, belief and faith are interchangeable words. And so hope and faith are really uniquely tied. And this, as the body of believers, you have to understand and I have to understand because really, what a lot of us want is hope. Right? And hope is this waiting and anticipation for a positive future outcome. Let me say that again. Hope is this waiting and anticipation for a positive future outcome. Right? Because nobody goes, man, I hope I get in a car accident today. Right? Like, no one says that. Man, boy, I hope I shut my finger at a door. You know, no one hopes that, right? That's not a positive, waiting for a positive, that would be anxiety, right? The opposite of hope is anxiety. Like, I'm anxious that I'm going to get in a car accident because there's black ice. Or I'm anxious, you know, that I'm going to shut my finger in the door because maybe I've done it before. You know, that's anxiety. So the opposite of hope is anxiety. But this is what the Bible has to say, the correlation between hope and faith. And this, as a believer, myself and you included, if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who came and gave himself for the sins of the world, including your sins and my sins, that when we put faith in him, he saves us from the wrath of God and saves us from ourselves and fills us with his Holy Spirit. You and I have to really come to grips with how faith and hope are intertwined. For us to battle anxiety, for us to have hope. It says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the faith chapter. And here's how faith and hope are, are connected. And it says this. Now, and I'm, I'm reading out of the old King James Version. And why I'm reading out of the old King James Version is that's what I had to memorize as a kid. And so a lot of times I have scripture memorized and I'm like, ooh, that would be a really cool verse for that. And I go look it up in a different translation, I'm like, but it doesn't really say what I was kind of thinking it would. And there's different translations, and I wouldn't get hung up too much on that. But as a kid, I was raised in an area where it was King James Version. So this is what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Man, this is a really cool concept that faith is the substance of hope. So in other words, faith is what hope is made up of. You've you got to understand this. This is a really cool concept. And this is something where, as a minister, a lot of the folks coming and talking to me in my office, anxiety is a very high thing on the scale of people that are struggling, including me, including us, right? 
And faith is the substance of hope, meaning faith is what hope is made up of. And hope is the opposite of anxiety. Because remember the definition of hope is waiting for a positive future outcome. And anxiety is the opposite, waiting for a negative future outcome. You got that? Hope is waiting for a positive future outcome. Anxiety is waiting for a negative future outcome. Well, you'd say, okay, pastor, help us with our hope. How do we get hope to battle anxiety? Well, when I look at scripture, scripture says that faith is what hope is made up of. All right, so we're going to follow it back. Starting with our desire is called is hope. That's this Sunday. We lit the hope candle. Our desire is to have hope. Okay, if we, ha- if we, if we want hope, we need to have faith. Okay, well then, what is faith? How do we get faith? We're going to keep following this thing back. We're just going to keep researching. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Again, I remembered this verse. And this is why scripture memory is so important, guys. Right? Now, I'm really thankful because my mom uh, had me do it and my dad had me do it when I was a kid because now I'm a pastor. And there's so many times someone sitting at my desk or sees me in a grocery store or at the dump or on the ski hill or on a chairlift and they ask a question and I could give them my opinion, but it'd be much more, uh, it would be much more helpful to them to give them God's word. And I don't know always the address and I don't know always the perfect lineup of the words, but, but I had the concept. And see, I was a kid who was raised not allowed listening to secular music. And so I loved music. Boy, and the first time I heard John Fogarty, I was like, what was that? Because it wasn't Steve Green, I'll tell you that much. That was incredible. Although Steve Green can sing really well. But John Fogarty can play the guitar and sing really well. And so we started doing this deal where we had to memorize 40 verses a year in my household. And before you could listen to the oldie station, you're allowed to listen to the oldie station. I don't know, Christians think that that's redeemable or something. It's like, wait a minute. No, you just like listening to the oldie station because of what you, what you wanted to listen to when your mom wouldn't let you listen to it 40 years ago. But we would have to recite, and it had to be different each time, 10 verses by memory before the radio would come off of the Christian radio station and onto the oldies. And so that was the incentive that my parents used to help us learn scripture. And I'm so glad they did, because here I am studying for my sermon on hope, and one of the first things that came to my mind was Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. I had that memorized. I was looking through my Rolodex of memories of Scripture and was looking for the word hope. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 came up. And honestly, I'll be honest, when I thought, faith is the substance of things hoped for, was what came to my mind. Like, I don't know where that is. What is that? And so I typed in, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and Google, this is awesome about Google, right? Didn't have that when I was reciting 10 verses in the car. Didn't have this either, you know? <laughs> be like, oh yeah, mom, these 10 verses. <laughs> but anyway, um, I looked it up and it said Hebrews chapter one, 11, verse 1. 
Now the next thing came to my mind, okay, so if faith is the substance of hope, well, what is faith? How, how do we achieve faith? How do we get that? And boom, you know what came to my mind? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's what came to my mind. So I looked it up. I was like, faith cometh, and you know it's King James because I threw a TH at the end of come. Right? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I looked it up. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And right back to what I talked about before, my mom making me memorize scripture. The word of God is fuel to our faith. And so if you find yourself in a sea of anxiety, if you find yourself in a fog of doubt, what the Bible is very clear on is that faith is what hope is made up of, and faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And the Word of God is active and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Again, their scripture memory. I don't even know where that's from, but I have to add a guess. I think it's in Timothy somewhere. But the Word of God is active and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Meaning that it's truth. The Word of God is truth. You can build your hope on it. The word of God is truth. When you read and meditate and memorize it, it generates faith. Now, the word of God has to be partnered with the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is not in your life, the word of God will just be knowledge. It will be academic knowledge. Academic knowledge drives, you know, factual things, which is all good stuff. But faith is made up of this really beautiful mix of facts and belief. Faith is made up of this really cool mix of factual and belief. What's so beautiful about the Christian faith is no matter what you think about it, or what you think about Jesus Christ, history tells us he was a real person that really came. Now you have to decide what you believe that person was. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, you have to believe one of three things about Jesus. You can't say he wasn't real. If you say he wasn't real, then you haven't read anything, Christian or non-Christian. Okay, And C.S. Lewis says this, you either believe Jesus was a liar, meaning no way he was son of God, so he just lied for, I guess, popularity, and if he was a liar, like, wow, that was awesome, he was killed on a cross at age 33, that worked out well, you know, well, what did he want out of that, I don't know, he was a liar, he was a lunatic, right, because that is pretty loony, to say that you are God and it gets you killed. That's liar or a lunatic. So you have to land on one of those things. Or C.S. Lewis says you have to believe that he is Lord. Meaning he is who he says he was. The son of the living God. Who died and took away the sins of the world and rose again. Is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And is interceding for you and for me. 
See how that generates hope when I say that right there? That he is who he says he was, who died and rose again, and is now at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. You know what that is? That's Scripture. That's what Scripture says about Jesus. And that's why it generated hope in you when I said it. Because it wasn't my words. It's God's words written down through people into his word. And it generates faith, which generates hope. I'm going to read you guys some scripture here that I think is incredible. First ones, back to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, verse 8 through 10. And this is faith. If you want to be like, well, Marcus, what exactly is faith? What's the practical nature of faith? And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe, there's that word believe, remember I told you? Believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed, and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, and as Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. See how Abraham's faith generated hope. And what was Abraham's hope? Abraham's hope was, it says right here, plain as day, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. See, Abraham wanted a family he wanted to, to, to leave, you know, a legacy. He wanted sons and daughters. He wanted a home. He wanted a land. And he got caught up, just like you and me, in a lot of earthly hopes. One story about Abraham where he got caught up in earthly hope was, Ooh, I hope that this king gives us favor. And he goes, Oh, sugar, I don't think they're going to give us favor. So he had anxiety started working in Abraham's life. He forgot the hope that he had in the living Jehovah, the living God, the provider, the one who made the stars, who spoke to Abraham audibly. Do you ever wish that God would just speak to you audibly? I know I do. He spoke to Abraham audibly. And Abraham's faith wavered. Because in the face of a foreign king, he was filled with anxiety and he lied. He lied. This is a crazy lie, too. This is an insane lie. He looked over at his gorgeous wife and was like, man, she's really pretty. Which, I don't know about you, but I do that quite a bit, usually when I'm driving. And then Heidi's like, look at the road! Why? Why look at the road? Abishai is really excited because she can drive now. So she's like, Dad, you can look at Mom. I'm going to drive. And when Abishai's driving, because she's on day three, I'd rather look at Mom. No, I wish he's a pretty good driver. Where was I going with all that? Oh, Abraham's anxiety. Abraham looked at Sarah and was like, whoa. Wait, am I confusing this story with Moses? No, I got this one right. Drew's not here. Drew, are you there? Text me. Am I getting it all wrong? Where's my Bible scholars? You're right. I'm right? Phew. All of a sudden, I saw Heidi's face and I doubted myself. I was like, oh no, this is Moses. No, it's Abraham. I know. She always looks good. I needed. Remember last week when I thought it was daylight savings, and Drew looked at me like tears. 
So I was worried I was doing that thing again because this story is not in my notes. Yeah, winter solstice, thank you. When I start varying off my notes, it gets a little bit crazy. But I'm reading about Abraham, so I get excited. So Abraham got built up anxiety because he was he had he had earthly hopes. His hopes was to continue on this journey and get this promised land here on earth. And when a foreign king jeopardized it, it welled up anxiety in him, and he did the stupidest thing possible. He lied and said, this was my sister. So the king, who's not blind, was like, oh, you got a pretty sister. I think she could stay here, and I'd give her a great life as, you know, in my, you know, kingdom. Sarah, I'm sure, was like, what? And Abraham's like, just go along with it. What? Are you kidding me? Us, us husbands are really dumb sometimes. So he drops Sarah off. She goes into the kingdom. And really quickly, the king's like, whoa, who are you? What's going on here? Because there's some weird dynamics between you and your brother and what I'm feeling. This vibe. I don't like this vibe. And then finally someone's like, well, I'm her, I'm his wife. And the king was so mad, he said, why'd you lie to me? And Abraham's like, I'm sorry, I was anxious that you were going to kill me and take my wife. So I'm selfish and full of anxiety. And see the difference between the hopes there? Can you see in that, why I told you that story is what happened was Abraham's faith went from eternal to earthly. And when your faith and your belief comes off of the eternal and begins to look at the earthly stuff, your hope melts into anxiety in a hurry. Let me say that again. When your vision goes from the eternal to the earthly, your hope melts into anxiety in an instant. And we see that happen with Abraham, and I can see it in all of your eyes, and I know it from my own story. All of you are like, oh yeah, it does. Our hope must be in God, and our hope is driven by our faith in God and what we believe in Him. The psalmist said it like this. Psalm 39, 7 says, And now, O Lord, what will I wait for? My hope is in you. And see, no matter what's going on on earth, if we have faith in God, our hope can be in him. Let me read that one more time. Psalms 39, verse 7. And now, O Lord, what do I wait for? Remember I told you hope is synonymous with, with, with waiting? So is anxiety. Both of them have the element of weight. And the Old Testament word for weight is actually when you pull on a string and wait for it to snap. Right? There's a tension there. Right? So there's a couple different tensions. There's the tension of when you blow up a balloon. What happens when that balloon gets really big? Everyone goes like what? Like this, right? That would be anxiety. What about a little child on December 24th at 7.30 p.m.? Are they going like this? For Christmas? No. What are they doing? 
What about a child at 545 on December 25th? Here's, 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 here. Right? See the difference? One is hope. The other is an anxiety. And when you and I are just like little kids, when both are tension, both are tension. But when we live in a constant state of that, that, that balloon that I talk about, right? Is that, what does this do to your muscles if you held this forever? What does this do to your, your attitude? What does this do to your, how you relate to everybody? Can you see me right now? Ah, I would just be, ah. But what if you're like, oh, it's coming. He's coming. It's coming. Christ is coming. Right? See the difference right there? And that is what hope is based on. And that is what our Father is calling us to. And I'll end with this scripture. It's beautiful. Romans 8, 20 and 21. See, if you do not have belief in a good God, I think they said he is good, you know, good, so good. If you do not have a belief in a good God, you're waiting like this. We're waiting for it to just go bad. Someday it's going to go bad. My marriage, uh, my children, uh, my my job, uh, my savings, my health. Uh, right? We're just like, ah. Uh. Versus if my hope is in the Lord. I'm waiting for him to come again. I'm waiting to see what he what he's showing me today, hard or good. I'm waiting for it. And this is what it says. Romans chapter 8, verses 20 to 21. Everyone's waiting. The whole earth is waiting. Whether you're hopeful in your wait or anxious in your wait has to do with your faith. I hope you get that out of this. And 8, 21, 20 through 21 says this. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the, by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. That's what you and I wait for. For the day when all of creation, not just the church, not just the people that vote correctly, not just the those that listen to Christian music or attend church on Sunday morning, but that the whole creation will be liberated, freed from its decay and its bondage to slavery, to sin, to destruction, to the full goodness of God, the unobstructed glory. And that gives us hope. And so we light the candle of hope, and we're going to enter a season of Advent. And Advent is waiting. The children are waiting for those presents. I'm waiting for the food. Right? I'm waiting for friends and family. I'm waiting for snow. I'm waiting for lights. It's all beautiful stuff. But this is a little micro version of our macro version. We will micro wait for the next four weeks to celebrate Christmas. Right? Which actually, when you look at scripture, Christmas is just something that the church made up afterwards. Now it's cool, it's a cool tradition. Remember I went back to traditions? Right? Cool tradition. 
If you let it be too much, if you ask it to be your salvation, you will be full of anxiety. Because your, your eyes went like this. Right? But, if you think about it just being a reflection, or being a reminder of the macro advent, meaning we will wait for the return of God, through his son Jesus, to restore things to unobstructed glory, unobstructed goodness. Jesus, we hope for that. We thank you. By the power of your Holy Spirit, increase our faith. Increase our faith through the hearing of your word. Not just on Sunday morning, God, but, 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 but put in us a desire to open your word and to meditate on it, to pray. Help us not to be afraid of it. Help us, to not, to help us not to think that we can't understand it or we don't know or we don't know where to start. Help us to get over all of these things that keep us from the goodness of God that's written within the pages. Help us not to get just stuck in the pages of God. Help us to get out of your word to God for us that are stuck there and see you in the sunrise and the sunset and baby's laughter. To see you in a good cup of coffee with a friend. Help us, Lord, to see the gospel everywhere so that we can have hope and live and hope. The Bible also says, be ready to give an answer to the hope that lies within. God, our, our prayer is that our hope is eternal. And when our hope's eternal, our faith is eternal, people will ask us about our hope. Wow, you got hope. Really? Yeah, because I believe Jesus is who he says he was. I believe he's still alive. I believe he's on the right hand of the throne of the Father, and he's praying for me by name. And he prays for you by name, too. Help us to have hope in that, Jesus. Thank you for Advent and Christmas. I know, God, that it's hard for a lot of people. They're entering this time of, of, of Christmas, and either someone's health is really failing, or they've lost a loved one, or they're not really sure where their next paycheck's coming from. God, would you help those people to move their eyes to the eternal? And for us that are all excited, that are in a good spot in life, can you help us to get our eyes off of all the earthly things that we call good and move them to the heavenly things, the eternal things, so that our hope would be and not things that can be taken by the sword. That our hope would be eternal. May we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.